Welcome to the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast, where we equip churches and communities to welcome, embrace, and include people with disabilities. In 1 Kings, Elijah, a prophet of God, has reached the end of his rope. He's beyond exhausted, physically and emotionally spent. But God doesn't tell him to suck it up or try a little harder. Instead, God tells him to take a nap and have something to eat. God sees the value and necessity of providing a break, a moment of respite. And on today's podcast, we'll be talking with two ministry leaders who help provide respite to families impacted by disability in their church. It's for the parents. It's for the kids, too. It's for the whole family to really have an opportunity to just come to a church and know that the church genuinely wants Mm -hmm. them to be there. So stay with us, because any church, no matter how large or how small, can provide respite. And if you'd like to get a free ebook on how you can provide respite to families in your church, visit johnnyandfriends.org slash podcast and download the book, We've Got This. Download it for free when you go to johnnyandfriends.org slash podcast. Well, I am really happy today because I get to sit down and talk with two amazing ministry leaders about providing respite for families impacted by disability. Today, I'm joined by my wonderful boss, Brett Welshimer, who oversees our response department, as well as the church engagement and biblical care outreaches here at Johnny and Friends. And also here in the studio is my new friend and the ever-passionate Gina Spivey, longtime disability advocate and close friend of the ministry. Welcome to the podcast, you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad. And we are going to have a lot of fun. And I'm so glad you're both here today because I know you two have worked closely together for a few years now. You minister and love on families affected by disability at Calvary Community, just across the freeway from us. Right. So it's an awesome ministry over there. And Brett, I know you well. So Gina, I just want to ask you, I am so curious to know, how did you become so passionate about engaging and welcoming people with disabilities in the church? Good question. By accident. Um, <laughs> it sounds, like, sounds like the call to disability ministry to it's me. the call in general, isn't it? Um, I actually was studying child psychology and uh, special education in college and my junior year, so I was only 20. Um, started working at a local nonprofit in South Central LA. I was at mm-hmm. um, LMU right down there in Los Angeles. And I started working at a nonprofit that worked with early intervention. So kids mm-hmm. that were zero to three mm-hmm. who had been a prenatally drug and alcohol exposed and had resulted in a varying disabilities wow. as well as some genetic disabilities and um, like Down syndrome and those types of things as well. Mm-hmm. But I started working there um, in college, and God just lit a fire in me for Mm -hmm. that community, in particular that community. I never really had any intention of being in ministry, never really had um, Mm -hmm. thought I'd leave South Central LA, but God had kind of different plans for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, my husband has a sister who um, is affected by disability, so that's just a part of our family. Uh, My kids have been involved uh, with this this community since the day they were born. So it's just kind of who we are and what we love to do. It's really what we do for fun. Um, I don't say that. <laughs> and we Brett have can, a lot of fun. Yes, Brett can attest <laughs> to that. That really is what we do for fun. Oh. So it's just kind of the family business at this point. And it's, uh, it's the love of my life for sure. Well, what an amazing testimony. And I've seen you in action. And you absolutely adore each child and each family that comes through the doors affected by disability. You really mm. have the love of Christ. Mm. 
And I've been able to participate in one of the respite events that you've had at Calvary. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be talking about respite today. But before we go any further, how would you guys define respite in a respite event? Respite is really giving parents a break from the routine of raising children with disabilities. And for some families, disability can be all-consuming. It can be overwhelming, sometimes exhausting, sometimes isolating. And the rhythm of respite, knowing that these families can come to our church once a month, the fourth Saturday of every month, and get a three-hour break to go do anything they want (laughs) is so refreshing Mm. to them, and it gives them that ability to continue on with what they're doing day in and day out. Yeah, and I think for for us, too, at Calvary, we we really do work hard at having respite, not not just be— um, babysitting, that it's not just, okay, we're going to like take your kids off your hands for a few hours, but we want the kids and their siblings to want to come to Buddy yeah. Break. So we want them to have an amazing time. We want it to be fun for them. We believe our VIPs are having fun. We know that the siblings are having fun. So we're tr- we really try and be intentional on how we use those three hours because if the kids don't want to come, then it's not real respite for the parents. Totally. And if the parents are having to force them through the door, then they're not really getting that um, complete, like letting their shoulders down and being able to really rest for those three hours. Right. We also work really hard at making sure that when parents come to pick up their kids that we don't ruin their three hours within three <laughs> seconds and just um, honoring like the time that we have. what didn't go well. Yes. Kind of reporting. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I always remind our buddies too. But it's it's really respite is, it's for the parents, it's for the kids too. Yeah. It's for the whole family to really have an opportunity to just come to a church and know that the church genuinely wants mm-hmm. them to be there, that mm-hmm. we're not doing it as a favor, we're not doing it out of obligation, that we're doing it because we recognize that we, the buddies, the people who are working with these kids, are getting t- the best day ever. I mean, it's oh, the most yeah. fun three hours you could possibly have. So what could be bad about that? Totally. And <laughs> I love what you said, Brett, that families are able to anticipate right. the coming rest because they really don't get to anticipate that. There's a lot of unknowns that happen. Yeah. So to be able to say, okay, this Saturday, I'm going to have three hours of break. And I, I just think that provides such a, a feeling of, I'm going to get a break. I'm going to get to do what I want. And you said something interesting. You talked about VIPs. Mm-hmm. Break down what a VIP is for yeah, our so listeners. Yeah, so that's sort of internal language that we use. We we talk about our kids affected by disability as our VIPs. Okay. Um, some Every program kind of maybe has different language. It's sidekicks. It's whatever. Um, okay. For us, there are VIPs. It's about it's sort of about a position of our heart too to recognize mm. that we really do feel that way that Honor these really them. are are very important people love it in our ministry um so and then we have buddies that come alongside of our VIPs and then siblings what's a buddy a buddy is a background checked yes trained <laughs> every time <laughs> volunteer that comes to serve um, in any sort of capacity, not just at respite, Sunday mornings or at our parent groups or whatever we're doing. Um, those are our buddies. They're there for our VIPs, almost always on a one-to-one ratio. So one v- one buddy per each VIP, sometimes more. So it's a whole church effort. Absolutely. Well, and I yeah. know you guys have been doing this for quite a while. You said that this Saturday you're going to have 78 
children coming. That's oh right. my gosh. Biggest so, ever. And we're going to have so much that fun. That just yeah, blows my you mind. You know what? Some of the things that warms my heart so much is when parents come back to get their kids mm. and will ask simple questions like, did you have a good morning? What do they say? And they'll say, well, I had a blast. I went to Target and I just walked the aisles. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or I went home and I took a bath mm-hmm. and nobody talked to me. Mm-hmm. And many times there'll be tears in a mom's eyes and it just speaks to the value of what we're able to provide while we are having such a good time loving mm-hmm. their kids. That's, That's all so true. Good. So true. Well, you guys are talking about the benefits that you're seeing in these families that come each week. Let's set the scene for respite. I mean, During the week, what type of battles are the parents of children with teenagers with disabilities? What kind of battles have they been fighting? What kind of exhaustion have they been facing? I mean, honestly, I think we can't even really wrap our heads around it unless you're living it day in and day out. And it's hard to even really speak into it. Um, and I'm careful to speak into it because I really don't know the, mm. the fullness of the journey that some of these parents are on. We know that after we're done at Buddy Break, we're, our hearts are full and our feet are tired is what we mm. always say. Like we're exhausted, but we're so full, but that's three hours mm. and we're not battling IEPs and trying to advocate, an I'm sorry, an individualized education plan. Yeah. So we're not trying to advocate in a school district. We're not battling to get services. We're not schlepping to different therapies. We're not um, dealing with just the emotion of someone staring at my child in the restaurant, doesn't Mm. know why they're doing the things that they're doing. Um, Divorce rates amongst our families are Mm -hmm. so high. So there's brokenness there too. So it's, it's just overwhelming sometimes mm-hmm. the amount that these parents are dealing with. And when we look at and, and talk to our parents about their prayer requests, there is nothing more humbling than talking to some of these families about what they're battling and recognizing that there's just so much. There's oh. so many layers. And um, I wish we could do more. I mean, I, I just feel like three hours is just scratching the surface. And, you know, Brett and I are always talking about what, how do we really meet the need? What do we really need to do? But, but the respite is, is a start and it's a good place to begin. But, um, yeah, there's just so much. There's just so much. But I will also say that it's so, so good. And I think if mm. you, you know, when you talk to these families, there's hurt and there's heartache, but, they're, they love their kids so much, and they're incredible caretakers, and they also see the gift that their kids bring to their life, and uh, I think the majority of them would say that they wouldn't trade it for anything. So that's I powerful, bet. too. I hear that all the time. I think another benefit that's important, too, is for the kids, because the kids get to come and just be themselves. All they get to do is come and have a good time. We're not there to change their behavior. We're there to keep them safe. We're there to make sure they have a good time. We're not doing therapy. We're not asking them to be anybody except who they are. And I think that's a huge benefit to the kids that join us. Oh, gosh, that's so true. And we call it kid-led kid-driven, kid-led, but oh. I love that too, and and it's amazing. We don't see a ton of behaviors at Buddy Break, you know, when we really, really are able to open the doors. I mean, we see some, but for the most part, the three hours that we're with our kids, they're just happy because mm. they're not, the, just like Brett said, they're not being 
they don't have people requesting things of them Mm. for three hours. They're just having fun. And then when their parents come to pick them up, our goal is not only to to share with the parents how great they were, but to pick them up happy Mm. so that they see that they've had a good time. And we do that by saying, we'll follow you wherever you want to go. Do you want to be in the bounce house for three hours? (laughs) Two hours. Then they have to go outside or Brett yells at me. But <laughs> You guys have a bounce house? We do have a bounce Man. house. And we have crafts and we have games and we have movies. This week we're having, tell us, Gina. Baby goats. The best. No yep. way. Yes, baby oh, goats. That's right. Ten come. baby goats. You heard me. Oh, it's true. They're therapy okay, goats. You, okay, tell mm-hmm. me. So they're these teeny baby goats that have been basically raised almost like a service dog, not quite as extensive as a service dog, but they're raised around kids that are poking them and prodding them and pulling their tails and kind of messing with them so that they, mm. they're they not affected mm-hmm. and they love people. And so we build a giant pen, like a big giant white pen for our VIPs and the goats to hang out. And oh it's my like, it's, my, it's probably one of my favorite like themes that we do. I don't know. I say Have that a lot. Have you done this before with the kids? We did it last year. Okay. Yeah, but okay, we and I'm do, so like, curious to know how do the kids respond to the goats? Oh, they love it. Oh, they love it. They love oh, it. We have kids. We had one of our VIPs that last year. His name was Lucas. He actually passed away, but he, mm. yeah, but he was nonverbal and blind and non-ambulatory, and he like came to life. I mean, we have the With most beautiful the pictures of him petting these goats from his wheelchair. I mean, it was unbelievable. So the goats are the real deal. I'm a big fan of the goats. Well, animals do something to many children with disabilities. Totally. So how cool that you could pull that off. Are you coming? Oh, my s- gosh. I want to. Yeah, Am I so- free? <laughs> I'll make myself free. Okay, Please now, come for the goats. Totally. Now, lay out a typical Saturday morning respite from the time you guys kind of start to the end. I mean, I just want to hear... What, what are some of the schedules like? I mean, it sounds like it's very free-flowing. It is. What's I mean, it like? there's obviously there's a little setup in the beginning, but our buddies show up about an hour before the kids come. They get a little continental buddies breakfast. Are buddies, buddies are the volunteers. Are the volunteers. Okay. When they come in, we give them a folder that has all the information about the VIP they'll be with. So they know all of the medical information they would need to know from the parent, but they also know the real experience that their previous buddy had with that VIP. So they have a real comfortability of knowing a lot about Mm. their VIP before they show up. And then we greet all of our families as they come in, and we call it organized chaos. So you have 50 (laughs) families showing up with children affected by disabilities. Or 78. Or or 78. All at the same time. (laughs) And some of the kids have come 100 times, and they run up the stairs, and they're so excited. and, And others have never been before, so they're a little anxious. We have all that going on. And then for the next two hours, the kids get to do whatever they want. They go from the craft room to the bounce house room to the game room to the tactile room where they get to do Play-Doh and play with sand and Mm. do Legos and things like that. And then after that, we go outside and we have this amazing playground where the kids get to be outside and be with goats or use the slide or all those things. And then mom and dad come and the time flies. We really try hard uh, to do a lot of the work. The work is done before the, the even the buddies get there, we try and really be as organized as we can, mm. be as diligent as we can, plan as best as we can mm. while maintaining flexibility. Lots of flexibility. <laughs> Lots of flexibility because there's a lot of change that happens. But 
by the time the buddies get there, we want them, we want that first hour before they engage with their VIP to be pretty calm. We're trying to just, yeah. we feed them. We, we're trying to keep them equipped with the folders like Brett was talking about with the notes from the previous buddies and what That's they've so experienced. Smart. Joey loves to bounce a ball or Joey hates to bounce a ball or whatever the other buddies have experienced in the months before. So we want them to be confident and calm before their VIPs arrive so that they're just ready. Uh, and we do that by training, education, p- preparedness, and kind of trying to set the stage for a nice, easy morning. We typically either share a little verse or last month we had some worship, just something, just a minute or two to just kind of position our hearts mm-hmm. and recognize why we're doing what we're doing yeah. and um, and just, just go through some reminders for the day. But but other than that, I mean, Brett pretty much described what the day looks like. In that last hour, we tend to have different things each month. So goats or a movie or we had like <laughs> fitness with Dave, you know, all kinds of stuff that we do, different activities. <laughs> Fake snow one Fake week. Fake snow. Oh, my gosh. That's Popcorn machines. We, we do it top. all. In the summer, we have water fights. It's great. It's true. All of the fun. Okay, and you're you're not just serving children with disabilities. You're serving the whole family because the siblings are coming as well. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, as a mom, I can say that it's not really rest unless you're totally alone. So (laughs) if we left one sibling home, then they're not really Mm -hmm. genuinely getting true rest, Mm -hmm. respite. Mm -hmm. Um, That's part of the reason that we do it. The other part of the reason is that we recognize that the journey for a sibling is a unique one. And um, even in the past, really just the past few months, we're really trying to become more intentional and pay more attention to what's going on with our siblings Hmm. because they have a whole separate journey that they're living. And I've learned from my husband that it's it's not always an easy one and that there are some complications and some things that arise when you have a, a sibling with a special need. So we we want the siblings there because we want them to have community with one another yeah. where they can really get to know each other and experience some friendships with other kids that understand their life journey oh, yeah. and, um, and get to have fun. So that's part of the balance too. We have to have activities that are adaptive and mm-hmm. can work with our VIPs, but they can't only be that. We, that's why we, yeah. we also have to have things that the siblings are going to want to do because if they don't want to come, then the parents aren't really getting those three hours off. So right. um, we work pretty hard at keeping those siblings happy as well too. That's great. You know, I'm really curious. I don't want to belabor the point, but what are some of the challenges that many siblings face in a family affected by disability? I can say there's a lot of things. Um, I think the number one thing is a lot of the activities revolve around your sibling that has the disability. So the scheduling, like we talked about, the doctor's appointments, the therapy, a lot of time in your family unit Mm. is spent focused on your sibling with a disability. Mm. It's also a lot of okay, you just be the bigger person or just let them have the ball or just let them do what they need to do. And so Mm. there's a bit of a maybe that dynamic can play out. And then there's a loneliness, I think, that comes with being a sibling where you're craving a relationship with your sibling that you may not be able to have that looks like your friend's Mm. sibling's Mm -hmm. relationships. Um, You want to go out and kick, you know, throw the football back and forth and you you maybe can't. Um, Mm. And I also think it's just 
the worry and the the weight of someday my parents aren't going to be here and what am I going to do? What's wow. the responsibility going to look like for me? I mean, we talk to siblings that. that are 10 who are saying someday I'm going to have this, like Ryan, I think of Ryan. She said that, her, his sister said that to me. She's nine. Someday oh, I'm going to be in goodness. charge of Ryan. And you're thinking that's the weight of the world on this little girl's nine shoulders that most of us don't even think about. No. And this is a nine-year-old who used to come as a VIP sibling who now actually serves as a buddy at age nine because yeah. she's so compassionate wow. for kids with disabilities because I think of her own experience. Absolutely. You know, and I grew up in a home with a sister who had a severe health issue and that was a disability for our family. Mm-hmm. And there's that worry. When is she going to the hospital again? Is she going to die this time? Mm-hmm. Are we going to get through this croup without a hospitalization? So there's also a dynamic tension you live with as a sibling, mm. they wouldn't be there otherwise. You're always on. You're always thinking about her That's and right. how you're going to be responding to situations that you can't predict. Yeah. And I also, again, think if we talk to most of the siblings, they say all of those things are true and I wouldn't change a thing. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I know for the ones I've talked to, that's what they say. And that's certainly what Dennis says. Even this, we're, we're starting a sibling group and my husband sent out a letter to the siblings and even in it, it was so beautiful, but he said, it's not a support group. Like it's a unique life experience, but it's also a unique blessing that not everybody yeah. understands or gets to live. So it's it's the and, it's the both and. Right. It's the, you know, it's both sides of the coin, but I I think... Most of the siblings I've talked to have said they love their sibling for who they are. And isn't that God's economy? You know, whatever circumstances he puts in our life, he gives us the grace, the perspective, the equipping that we need to walk that road. And that's one of the things I love about watching our ministry is how God's working in Mm -hmm. our families. One more thing about siblings. We have... Some siblings that are twins, where one sibling, we have two sets of twins, where one sibling is typical and one sibling has pretty significant disability. Interesting. Yes. And those relationships are so powerful to watch because there's a twin dynamic already. Oh, there's such a special bond. Mm -hmm. And then you throw that into it and it's just, it's unbelievable really to see the way that God kind of weaves that and how he uses it and the dynamics at play there. And it's... It's just there's just so much to learn. Disability ministry is such a rich, it's such a deep well mm. where we just see God and what he's doing and over and over and over again and learn more and more about who he is and his yeah. character and how he makes us and what he wants to do with our lives. I don't know. I would argue more than anywhere else, but maybe that's just because <laughs> of me. Because it's your favorite thing. Because okay. it's my favorite thing. <laughs> well, and no wonder you and Brett just love it because you get to see God at work yeah. and God working through the brokenness and the challenges. And as you're explaining sibling relationships, I'm thinking this is another reason why respite for families is so important. Absolutely. Because you're addressing the entire dynamic, the entire mm-hmm family and blessing them. So, you know, as we think about a church and a community, what would you say are some of the first steps they can take as they think about providing a respite event for families impacted by disability? What do they do? Um, I think you just start. I think... (laughs) (laughs) I love that advice. (laughs) It's like anything, right? You can overthink anything. I think when I talk to churches about starting disability ministry... It's always the same conversation. We're afraid. We're not equipped. There's liability 
concerns. A lot of fear. A lot of fear. And you just have to walk through the door. And you want to do your very best to be ready. And you want to go through all the programming and all the training and gather as much information. But you don't want to be crippled by the fear Mm. um, where you just aren't willing to do it. Because your church is better and is blessed and is more and can see God at work more when you open your doors yes. to disability ministry. I don't doubt that for one single second. So um, I would say just start. It is God's heart. Right. It's God's heart, and people are people. Yeah. Yes. We may be we different. Are. We may have different abilities. We may have different limitations, but people are people. And when you love people with the love of Jesus, they respond. Mm -hmm, When you welcome a child who isn't verbal or you welcome a child who doesn't look you in the eye, but you embrace them with your voice, with your hands, with your arms, they feel loved. Mm. You love them. It's normal. Yes. And that's where all the fear can go away. That's so good. And I think also fear goes away in relationships. So the more that you get to know these kids, it's so easy to be afraid of the concept. But once you really are in relationship. so unfamiliar with it. They're going to have special needs that mm -hmm. I don't know how to address. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you're in relationship, then that all... There are, that all changes because you recognize, like Brett said so beautifully, they're just people. People are people, and we all have disability. We all have different needs. We all have things that we're better at than, mm-hmm. you know. And so just getting to know these families will change your perspective. There may There's still moments of fear. Don't get me wrong. 78 VIPs, there are moments <laughs> of fear. Mostly, I, I leave it all to Brett. All of the fear. <laughs> and I know I can lay my head at, at night on the pillow knowing we're good. We kind of have a joke. When we get to the end of Buddy Break and everything that's happened, the expected and the unexpected, we go, we've had a great day. Nobody died. <laughs> oh Every child's gosh. gone home with their parents. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, oh my gosh. It's sakes. so true. It is so true. But it is a good day and crazy things happen, but it's okay. I don't know if I've ever been more proud of our church than... A couple of, like, maybe a year or so ago, we had a VIP who really was struggling, and he would put his head physically through the walls of our building. And every Saturday and every Sunday that he was there, he would leave a hole in the wall. And I would go to facilities and to my boss, who's the executive pastor, the next day and say, um, we're going to need to patch up the wall. And never once was the response anything other than, no problem, we'll patch the walls, he okay? Are you guys okay? All right, wow. we'll patch the wall. Not and deterred. It, nothing. No, no. It was like a ship. He was just not going to be afraid. He was refusing to let something like that stop us from the the work that God was clearly trying to do through disability ministry at the church. Mm-hmm. And even just even just that, you know, not worrying about your facility. Mm-hmm. You, something might break. And you can fix it, but mm. is it worth it at the end of the day, 100%? Right. There's a bigger picture. Absolutely. And it reflects the heart of a church that's been transformed by loving all kinds of people. Mm. When the picture is, when your leadership says, everybody comes, everybody engages, everybody's welcome, mm. that is a church that has been changed. That is a church with the heart of Jesus. Amen. 
and I would be drawn to that, and I know many people are, to what you're doing. And how wonderful that you get to be a part of that. You know, you talked about leadership, and when I think of doing a respite event, what are some of the roles and responsibilities for volunteers who are helping, like with the preparation Mm -hmm. and being a buddy? Mm -hmm. Well, we really are very blessed to have a very strong, I would say, a strong leadership team. Yeah, sounds like it. Brett is, Brett and I, I would say, are, are, Powerhouses. Mm. Is that it? A good team. God (laughs) put you guys together in a great way, I would say. So we've really been able to divvy up a lot of the responsibility between Brett and and his wife and then Mm -hmm. our administrative associate director and then some volunteers that come in one volunteer brings food every buddy break um we handle all the registration we deal with the relationships of the with the families we have um some of the people that come help set up the rooms physically set up the rooms clean up the rooms set up the bounce house all that kind of stuff so there's a core group one lady that just does the tours for new buddies each time Mm. so when a buddy's serving for the first time our church building is huge right and so she takes all the buddies on a tour for before the VIPs arrive for the first time. So she, so they're able to really physically see what they heard about in the training. Brett does our training. That happens the week before buddy break. We do it every month. We never miss. So that there's if somebody can't make this month's training, they can come to next month's training. And um, just really being intentional with how we set up the leadership and how we set up mm. making sure that everybody's equipped to do what they need to do mm. and not afraid. And it's a great team. So you just kind of think of who's overseeing volunteers, who's overseeing facilities, who's overseeing the logistical part. And you just think in those categories, similarly to what does it take to do a Sunday morning? If you think of a children's ministry program, what are the pieces and parts? We've got the same pieces and parts, but it's only three hours and it's only once a month. So it doesn't feel like a burden to anybody. And in our case, Brett handles all of those things and I just hug the people. (laughs) (laughs) I like your job, That is my job. (laughs) I say, Brett, you've got this. I'll be over here hugging all of the people. And then Brett says, you have to put the baby down. It's time to get to work. work. And I say, you're such a party pooper. (laughs) I don't want to put the baby down. That's pretty much how it goes. Well, it just shows we all operate in our own giftedness. And when you have people who can step forward and and they're looking and seeing that this is such a blessing of God, they're going to be drawn to be part of the ministry. Mm -hmm. I think it's all about having fun, too. Disability ministry is not intended to be sad. It's not supposed to be heavy. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. And it is. If you let it be, it is. And if you're having fun, people want to have fun too. And it also speaks to just what it means to be friends with somebody who's affected by a disability. That they offer as much to you, if not more, as you offer to them. Beautifully said. So as you're providing these respite events month after month, there is a bigger picture going on. What are some of your hopes goals, or even expectations of what's going to happen with these families, with your church? I really think of our one family, Aiden's mom, and the history we've had with this family and where it brought them. I think you've talked with his mom quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, the goal is the goal is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the right. The goal is to extend the invitation for a relationship with Christ. The goal is to help families see who Jesus is and how he loves his people. Mm -hmm. And we're only here to be hands and feet doing the work. Mm -hmm. Um, The goal is not three hours of respite. The Mm. goal is a family saying, why do you do the things that you do? Yes, And then we get to say, because 
we're all broken and God redeemed us. And so we're called to extend that out as best as we can. Mm-hmm. And we're not perfect and we're sinners, but God forgave us of those sins and we can have a right relationship with him and so can you. And it's really it's really all about that. I mean, I shared with you guys a couple of weeks ago, but when we do proms or we do buddy breaks or we do beach days or we do, it's always about this. This mm-hmm. is always the end goal, mm-hmm. but we have to go out and do it. Yeah, we cannot stay out. in our holy huddles and talk to ourselves about how great disability ministry is, and we can't talk to ourselves about how great, you know, this church is. We have to be going out and not be afraid to invite everybody in. And you know, I do something that's slightly controversial, which is not requiring our buddies to be believers. And I've seen buddies come to Christ. We had a buddy come wow. out of the Mormon Church and become a believer. By serving at Buddy Break, and if we get— Yes way, because they're asking the same questions. Why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. What's different here? Mm. Why is this not an obligation? Why are you joyfully doing this? Mm. And and what's different about your church? And so I say, bring them in. Let's do this. I mean, they have to be background checked and fingerprinted, but (laughs) that's about my only requirement. (laughs) Right, Brett? (laughs) It's all ministry. It's all pointing (laughs) people to Jesus. That's right. That's Amen. the truth. Oh, my gosh. Well, I feel like I want to give you a high five and a hug all at the same time, Gina. Let's do it. Oh, you're speaking my language, and you're speaking God's language, and this is what Jesus has called. You guys do respite because it's a gateway to the gospel. Amen. Absolutely. It's showing the invisible God mm-hmm. in a visible way to mm-hmm. these families. Be in the hands of feet of Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's well, so good. Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like we can talk and talk, but we can. we're at the end here. So I just want to thank you so much for your time, Gina and Brett, talking about respite. And I'm just so grateful that God paired you two together mm-hmm. and all that you're doing at Calvary. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Providing respite is so much more than a kind gesture. It's an opportunity to develop relationships with families and to invite them into a relationship with Christ. I love what Gina said. The goal is to help families see who Jesus is and how He loves His people. If you'd like a really practical resource to start thinking through ways to provide respite for families, whether it's one family or 100, go to johnnyandfriends.org podcast and download a free copy of the book titled, We've Got This. It's one of our most popular books from the Irresistible Church series, and it's available absolutely free on johnnyandfriends.org slash podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Keating. So glad you could join us today. And I hope to see you again next week as we discuss autism. We'll be speaking with a father who found unexpected emotional healing and spiritual growth that was only possible because of his son's autism diagnosis. So be sure to tune in then. And don't forget to subscribe to the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast.